0: Hello everybody and welcome back to Cinema Obscura. I am one of your co-hosts, James Fife. I am the podcast editor. With me today are my other co-host, Casey Rafter, the copy editor. Hello. We have Chris Woodard, the digital editor. What's going on? And then we have our Spanish editor and soon to be our editor in chief, Mercy Sosa. Hey.
1: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Today's special is about AI, uh conveniently in the news re- recently. So we should. so I figured that we should do movies about it. All right, uh, why don't you start with the movies that you gave us?
2: Yeah, so we selected three movies for you. Uh, the first was Ex Machina, 2014. Um, that was with uh, Oscar Isaac and Alicia Vikander. Uh, Domhnall Gleeson as well, kind of the trio of car- uh, actors in the movie. Then we gave you Kimmy from 2022, a fun kind of COVID film that was directed by Steven Soderbergh, as Zoe Kravitz and Rita Wilson in it. And then finally we gave you Oblivion, uh, which I know is sort of a controversial sci-fi film. That was 2013. Tom Cruise and Morgan Freeman in that one. So.
1: And the films we gave you were Bicentennial Man from 99. That is, that's got uh, Robin Williams in it. Um, we've got Moon that has both Kevin Spacey and Edward.
0: Sam Rockwell.
1: Sam Rockwell, yeah. And uh, also War Games, which features Matthew Broderick. That one is from 1983.
0: A very young Matthew Broderick. Yes. All right. How about you start with the movie that you guys chose off our list?
3: So we chose Moon.
0: Ooh. Very exciting. Very cool. Yeah. All right, Um, so what was the plot of the movie? Just give us a general synopsis.
3: Do you want me to go? Go for it. So basically, um, there's this man, Sam. Mm -hmm. He goes up to space and he has a contract with a company for three years. I forgot why he was there, to be honest. I think he was supposed to fix something.
0: Uh, If I remember right, he was harvesting helium-3 to send back to Earth to power the Earth. They were using helium-3 from the moon. I'm not a scientist. That Uh, part, uh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how that would work.
3: Yeah, so he was there on a three-year contract, and the beginning of the movie was, in my opinion, a little slow-paced, but I think it was just to show how he had been there for a long time. And And what was
0: the, the big thing of this movie?
3: Yeah. So that, that's where it gets more fast paced is mm-hmm. like towards the middle and towards the end where he has an accident and they start, you know, another Sam. <laughs> so he basically has a clone mm-hmm. and they meet and they find out that, you know, they're both clones and that the company has been lying to them and that Sam is actually already back at home. Mm. Um and yeah at the end basically they expose this company for you know unethically yeah, <laughs> making yeah, yeah, clones yeah, yeah. and yeah. then k- and then killing them off later you know they mm-hmm. would get sick and throw So up they have an
0: accident that. and then they're like just start a new clone leave that clone out there to die. Mm-hmm. And uh that's pretty screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the uh
2: artificial intelligence like component of the film there's like this weird robot named Gertie mm-hmm. that follows <laughs> them around the space station. Uh weirdly Voice acted by Kevin Spacey. Yeah. I didn't Actually realize didn't that it. until I saw the credits. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Yeah. I didn't realize until the credits rolled. I was like, wait a minute, that was Kevin Spacey the whole time? Which
3: I hate because he was so cute. He yeah. had this little like <laughs> emoji so reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. You can exactly tell how he's feeling. Yeah. It, a little sad it's like a face. living emoji. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and the 2000 version, 2009 version of an emoji, at least. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Any, anyway, um, Chris, you were saying?
2: Oh, no, I was just going to say, I thought it was kind of like this funny, like, early 2000s sort of 90s feel of what like a futuristic robot would be with yeah. <laughs> just like the emojis flashing across the
0: screen all the time. I thought it was a bit weird that they were still using um, like the Star Wars version of like miniatures on the moon. Yes. That's what it looked like at least, <clears throat> right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, "Huh, that's that's a bit um old, outdated for even 2009." I
3: didn't know that, but we were talking about how the CGI was not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so
2: the one minute detail I did look up after I watched the film is that it had a budget of 5 million. Right. And it's pretty obvious to me where all the budget went. The space station. Problem. Yeah, the space station. <laughs> like the overall mise-en-scene of the film, I thought was really great. The space station looked really cool. Uh, the moon rovers were incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I was comparing it to, not that I want to like use this opportunity to talk bad on other things, but I don't know if you guys have ever watched the Halo show. Oh, like, no, yeah, I know what you're
0: talking <laughs> about. I've never watched it.
2: But though. just the attention to detail of vehicles and this yeah. Like seemed way better than stuff in that. And, they and made, that, they that have, was
0: like that was a Paramount Plus.
2: Yeah, and they had the same budget like per episode. Oh wow! <laughs> so I, that so was interesting. That, but um, yeah. And other, you could see where they kind of stretched the budget to certain areas, and then kind of, you know, Uh it was funny. Before this, you asked us to say the main three actors, and I was like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. There's only like <laughs> two. Yeah, there's pretty much only two. So. Well, you could just yeah. say Sam Rockwell twice. Yeah. You know? Some yeah. Sam Rockwell, <laughs>
1: Kevin Spacey. <That's>, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, I like that uh, he's called Gertie and that it's on the moon because I can't help but like think that that's a, a tribute to, like, E.T. You know, his sister's name was Gertie oh.
2: in that movie. I didn't catch that. Nice. Yeah, movie made
1: ca- by David Bowie's son, Duncan Jones. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Before you guys watch the movie, what did you guys think you were getting into before watching this movie?
1: You know, so
2: you told us to pick one of the three. Um, honestly, I picked the one that was, like, a 90-minute film. I'm a sucker for 90-minute films. I mm-hmm. kind of like the, like, bite-sized element that they have to it and that's really all I looked up and then the title (laughs) yeah yeah and um so I was based on the poster yeah I thought it was just kind of be like sort of like gravity yeah in a sense Uh, but stuck on the moon trying to escape yeah you did tell me there was you know I knew there's an AI element to it Mm -hmm. so um you know honestly the whole time I was waiting for Gertie to like go full iRobot on
0: on Sam Rockwell in there but um the thing about Gertie was he was actually like the good guy <laughs> in a way. Yeah, yeah, he was like very helpful. He's like, I'm <clears> only here to keep you safe, Sam. Like, And I thought that was like such a weird, because not a lot of movies do that. They make the AI like the bad guy. All right, classic 2001 Space Odyssey, AI bad mm-hmm. guy, right? But this one he's like, no, let me put the password in for you because you forgot. Um, here's how to get escape, uh, you can clear my memory yeah, I'm like, man, this guy's a bro. This is like...
1: <laughs> and you expect because he's installed there by the company for him to be working for the company, which, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, like, he doesn't. He's like, very helpful throughout the whole thing.
2: Yeah, you know, it's like AI double agent kind of thing <laughs> going
0: on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was your f- guy's favorite scene in that movie?
3: Oh, that's a great question. Honestly, that part where you guys were mentioning, he was like, yeah, let me just reboot my system so you guys can leave. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really sweet and how they made him a little human in that moment and I and I honestly it didn't really add up to me though because I was like why is he too nice wouldn't the company try and make sure that they develop an AI that doesn't do that but I thought it was a really sweet moment. <laughs> and when he put his, like, little <laughs> robot. <laughs> it's it's a
0: a tap on the, on the shoulder with the robot arm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah,
3: when he did that, when he was telling Sam how, how basically, you know, his memories were of his, you know, past partner and his child were just, you know, reruns of the original Sam's memories. Yeah. I thought that was... That was really sweet. I just enjoyed any moment with him, honestly, yeah. in the scene because it would just add that humorous aspect to it. Definitely,
0: then, then you remember it's Kevin Spacey. Right? <laughs>
2: but then you
3: remember it's Kevin Spacey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Dehumanize dehumanized robot again for me, yeah. Yeah. real quick. Oh, <laughs> no. the credits. Yeah. So yeah. there's
1: actually a follow-up to this film that Duncan Jones made called Mute. Uh, that's a Netflix movie that has uh, Paul Rudd in it, and like the beginning of that film, you see uh, news footage of like this circumstance that happened in Moon. Uh, and other than that, they're not really related, but it's the same universe, basically, I guess. It's pretty interesting. All right, uh, Chris, what was your favorite scene?
2: You know, it is another Gertie scene. Uh, I think my favorite scene was the one where Gertie sort of finally revealed to one of our Sams that he is a clone. And it was sort of this like weird touching, cause you know, he was basically figuring out. And mm-hmm. then I thought that was when we got to see that Gertie was like, okay, this isn't gonna be like the AI bad kind of movie because Gertie was like no like you're a clone straight up yeah he kind of just like the emoticon full- showed like a tear a tear a crying yeah. emoji <laughs> and I'm like oh no <laughs> yeah and then like in the middle of the conversation it had like a sort of squiggly face like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we were laughing because <laughs> most of the time he just kept asking like hey are you hungry They're like you yeah know, when was their last meal and then finally this time it was like no, you're actually a clone, and then you haven't eaten in seven hours. Yet. Uh. So it was just kind of funny. Um, I was telling Mercy, it's kind of how I treat my, my partner when she's a little cranky. And I'm like, hey, when's the last time you ate? You know? So it was just kind of funny. Um,
3: With, according to yeah. Chris, a 70% success rate. So. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, would you guys recommend it to other people?
2: I would, absolutely. Um, I love the tight budget. I think there's some things where, like, I thought the score was pretty lackluster, it felt like a lot of just kind of like stock, like royalty-free sounds. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially sometimes they tried to make it like ominous with like these really kind of cheap piano notes that I thought was a little boring. Right. Um, editing, could you use some work? I know that there was sort of a fight scene between two of the Sams. Um, I know that's really hard because, you know- They're the same <laughs> person. The same person, so, yeah. but like, it was like every like half second, I think the camera cut to like another mm-hmm. position. Um, so I feel like they could have done that a little bit more creatively. But in terms of the film overall, I really enjoyed it. I thought that it sort of pulled me in different directions. Um, Being this came out in 2009, I feel like there's space things, space films that have come out since then that probably could have learned from this a bit more. I will say I genuinely don't care to be like, oh, that's not how space works in in most films. Um, this film it seems like they completely forgot that there's like no gravity in space. <laughs> yeah, and, they, they were really then, inconsistent about it. In yeah. the base,
0: normal. Outside the base, it's still <clears throat> normal, but you but they're trying to fake it. Yeah. Yeah, we were laughing because I think they just told him to skip in slow motion, like when he <laughs> was like on the moon, like
2: that's yeah. all they were doing. Um so there's some like attention to detail that I think it really could have, you know, maybe like a more stickler of a director would have done. Mm-hmm. But overall I think that this is like as a Solid sci-fi, a low-budget sci-fi, which you know we don't get too many of those anymore. I really enjoyed it, so I'd recommend it.
0: Yep, I so you, mercy.
3: I don't know. I would recommend it depending on the person, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Um, I think you have to watch it on a day where you're just chilling at home, you have time, you're not rushing, but you're just looking for a quick thing to entertain because it is a pretty like quick movie. It's like an hour and thirty minutes. Um, so I will say. If you lack an attention span you might get lost in the beginning but the story is good if there was a book I would read it you know Um, it was engaging I think it's interesting to see that dynamic between those two clones I will say That They're both supposed to be Sam and I felt like they acted too differently from each other Um, You know the Sam number two and and this was pointed out. He was mad Mm -hmm. and then the other Sam is you know, just very depressing, you (laughs) know has been stuck in space for For almost three years. So obviously, you know, that's gonna have a big effect on him but I think that they could have been a little bit more similar in the sense of how they reacted To things because they're still the same person at the end of the day so that was just an interesting thing to think about for me um, considering that they have different experiences so they may be a little different but they should be a little similar to a certain extent Mm -hmm. um so yeah I I would say I would give this movie maybe a 7 out of 10 and if you like (laughs) sci-fi if you like a, a good story but Not really expecting too much necessarily on the CGI end or too much action. I think this is still a good movie and it still has a a pretty interesting message too because I would not be surprised if a company did this, you know? They made clones and were trying to test it out in an unethical way um, because...
2: Yeah, they're lost in space.
3: (laughs) 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 Yeah, and I think it was really sweet when they said, you know, we're human. Because they are, even though they are clones, Um, so to consider that and yeah, it's a scientific experiment, but how ethical is that? You know, to Mm -hmm. set some clones up there who are human.
1: Yeah, because they're still thinking, feeling beings, regardless of the fact that they are a copy of a thinking, feeling being. Mm -hmm.
3: Exactly.
0: And I think I have. Yeah, I only have one final note. What do you have? No, go ahead. No, okay. Um, I only have one final note. Is that these guys figured out they were clones and they were like the calmest people I've ever seen (laughs) figuring out that they're clones of each other, I think I would be a little bit more freaked out and be like, what is don't going know. on? I I was. But these guys were Chris. like, they were just like hanging out uh, and they were just like playing <laughs> ping pong at one bit. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I've got to figure this out. No, like, I completely
3: disagree. I was telling Chris, you know, if I have a clone, I would be super excited. I would be like, damn, like, that's my bestie. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: we have so much in common. I
3: know. <laughs> like, I've been waiting for this moment.
2: <laughs> we're both Leos, so we, we think that might be different for other people. But yeah, we were immediately like, oh, best friends. Like, you know, that's great. Um, um, I do kind of disagree with you, though, James. I think they took it in a different direction. But, like, after they came to that realization, that at least the the long-term Sam, mm-hmm. he started acting a little bit more just, like, carefree. Like, he was kind of playing the music, just yeah. being obnoxious, was just being a little bit more reckless. Like, I think he learned he really had nothing to lose. You know what I mean? And I think instead of them being, like, angry, that's sort of the direction that the characters went. Mm-hmm. At least one of the Sams. The other one was a little bit more just reserved. But... So I get what you're saying, but I think they just kind of took it the opposite end of the spectrum. It was yeah. more of like an acceptance than
0: Yeah, was, I, I just thought anger. that was kind of weird because I guess yeah. that, I would I would react after different. I'd be like telling my clone, hey, uh, we're like the same person and that's not cool. We should probably uh, immediately figure out what's going on. <laughs> yeah. We should play ping pong. No, 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 we shouldn't. <laughs> Anyway, um, I think that's my final notes. How about you?
1: Sounds, well, uh, I I can't remember this because I've seen this within the last year, not recently though. Did we get a scene where Sam Rockwell dances? Because that's usually yeah, like. One yeah. Of well, yeah.
0: we had one Sam Rockwell trying to play music. The other Sam Rockwell interrupting that music, saying, okay. "No, no, no, hold on, we sh- I have to tell you something," and then he playing the music again. Yeah, that's the type of thing. That's as on. far as the was, Rockwell
2: dancing goes, though, it was uh, not his best.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think if you want to see that, you'll watch Charlie's Angels because yeah. he's uh, quite the dancer in that one.
0: Let's move on to your list. So, you had Kimi. Well, that's the one we watched. We watched Kimi. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm I couldn't so remember the other two movies. That. Yeah. Okay. All right. They um, were
3: Ex Machina and Oblivion. If yeah, you know, that was wondering. the other two. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: All right. Go ahead. did us with some questions. If you want.
2: Okay. So, first, uh, overall thoughts. Because uh, personally, so I picked Kimi because it does have a fun, similar to Moon, has a different AI element to the film that's not the typical movie Hollywood AI thing we see. Also, this is personally my favorite like COVID stay-at-home era film that came from that. So, just I just want to hear you guys overall thoughts first.
1: So, I found this a, a really similar. To, well, there's a lot of films that are similar to this where there's like a surveillance element and oh, yeah. somebody's concerned about that. Um, I, I think closest to Enemy of the State, which is a, a Will Smith Gene Hackman movie from the '90s. Um, but in that movie, that was all about like surveillance being planted in an apartment or in your home. Um, but in this movie we're doing the planting. Like, it's all that stuff. We're we're going out, we're buying. We want to uh, have this connection with some entity. And unfortunately, in this case, uh, it didn't work out for somebody that we don't really spend a whole lot of time with. Um, and it is the responsibility of Angela Childs, who is the main actor, or the main character played by Zoe Kravitz, to kind of come to the bottom of what happened. When I was looking at, I've seen, you know, the picture of it on HBO several times and just kind of like always automatically passed by. But when I saw that it was on our list here, I was like, well, wait, is like, she an ai character are we looking at like a cyborg or what's going on so i didn't really even know anything about it until we're in the first scene um which is great because it 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 automatically starts off like a a black mirror episode and kind of stays consistently like that throughout the whole film what did you think james
0: i thought when i was going into this movie i kind of thought the same thing i was like is zoe kravitz the uh the robot here but i actually like how they took the ai with this direction or the direction they took this ai because um it's about like the google homes right the, yeah, the <laughs> google Phones, Alexa alexas thing. uh smart home devices right yeah. and um it shows the the negatives about it the horrific negatives of it you know constantly spying on people although with Kimi, they kind of did it differently they actually hire people to listen to errored voice commands and pro and manually program each one so that the uh, Kimi knows what people are talking about but i also like how it shows like the positives like you know you're getting held hostage and you should probably yell across the room um to connect devices turn off lights so you can escape i thought i thought that was a pretty cool concept um how they balance the two out you know yeah yeah i also i think this is like the first movie i've experienced where it was they strictly mentioned covid yeah you know what i mean and i'm not sure how many movies will do that (laughs) or how many have already done it but Kimi definitely really whereas yeah COVID definitely happened in this world yeah and um it's really taken this character who has like huge anxiety problems in the first Mm -hmm. place and like COVID did not help that and I thought that was pretty interesting because I don't think I don't think there's an I can't think of another movie that's done that there's there probably definitely is but this is the first one I've seen
1: there was an element to that part of it that I definitely identified with. I mean, it was it's been really crazy to be a journalism major right in the midst from the beginning to now of COVID because we as People who were supposed to be going out and and hitting the streets and talking to people were forced to do all that via Zoom Um, during a brand new era of like, Mm -hmm. what is this? What's the the contagion like? You know, who's affected by this? So for like the first year, uh, maybe even more, I was very apprehensive to leave the house and felt just like she reacted basically like you know maybe make plans and cancel them because i just can't make that additional step through the door and she was that was something she struggled with a few times throughout the movie and then once she finally does it i remember the first time going out and having like an outing during COVID and having that just be totally feeling chaotic like is this going to be okay and trying to reassure myself Mm -hmm. yes it'll be fine and uh, if the consequences aren't going to be that dire whether or not i thought i was fooling myself i don't know but it really seemed like she struggled with that
2: Mm -hmm. yeah what sold me on the movie uh was that steven soderbergh directed it and he, he always has like he does really good with these niche sort of films that have like a weird concept. So when mm-hmm. I saw that he was doing, it, I was like, you know, if there's any director that can do the stay at home era the right way. I think he. That's why. I mean, it sold me when I saw that he directed. It, I was like, all right, I'll watch yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Also, ninety minutes. <laughs> that's, <what I> <laughs> that's right. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: merciful. I like to call those uh, the mercifully timed movies. Mercifully, an hour and a half movie. Because most movies these days are like two hours plus. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So this is it's it's a very refreshing feeling when you know. Oh, thank God, there's only like ten minutes of <laughs> movie <laughs> left.
1: <laughs> so the plot is of this uh, this tech worker who is reviewing these uh, mistakes that come back from from Kimmy to correct them, and in doing that, she finds what she suspects to be a murder. So she reports that to her uh, her uppers, her higher ups, and uh, struggles to try to find the appropriate authorities to to solve or to, to take action on what she conceives as a murder. Um, so people are coming after her and she's having to battle, like I said, her own anxieties to, to make all that happen. Um, getting some allies along the way, but certainly about, about the same number of people coming after her to try to thwart her efforts. Uh, and then in the end, she wins the battle.
0: My favorite scene from this film was probably when she walked into the first building, the like HR kind of t- type of building. She walked in. I'm like, eh, she might be safe. I don't know. And then the moment the HR lady started talking, I, I was like, "You're not safe. You gotta go." Right. <laughs> like I could tell by the, the the attitude in her voice, she she does not care about you, and you should probably run as soon as possible. And um, she kind of stalled a little bit. I mean, obviously she's got like high anxiety. She's also like you know in the middle of the HR building where she thinks she's safe. And then everybody leaves. I'm like, nope, you're not safe. You, you gotta run. run. Like that's one of my that's one of my favorite things about this type of movie. Like, um, it really gives you those subtle subtext clues of, yeah, she, uh, she, she's not safe. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah. I, I love that scene as well because, you know, I think for some people it might be critical of the movie. They were like, well, why did she just start running away? You know, in mm-hmm. that time? Cause like all happened is like these guys with suits came in. Um, but they also tied in, well, one, her like agoraphobia, but also she had a experience of sexual assault in the past. And so I think, them showing that made her actions a lot more clear to the audience, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that scene was definitely up there.
1: I kind of had two favorite scenes. Um, One of them actually is just kind of an aspect, so when she initially uh, plans to leave the house, she's got her jacket on, which is kind of a blue-green, her hair is blue-green, the drawers are blue-green, the door is (laughs) kind of blue-green, and I started thinking about that. I have uh, an echo unit, so like I have Alexa in my home all over the place, when you say Alexa, It's blue and green, those same exact shades. I think it was intentional (laughs) that what she was doing or the way that she was dressed and the colors used. And if you look at the shades of screenshots of the film, there's a blue hue throughout the whole thing. Uh, That has to be intentional. Um, So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And um, I'm a huge fan of Zombieland. Land. And in that movie, there's, you know, a list of rules, and one of which is double tap. And at the end, when she's battling all the bad guys, she's got this nail gun, and she goes through for everybody she's knocked down. She double taps and makes sure that they are out. Mm-hmm. Respect for that.
3: For sure. <laughs> <laughs> what is something you think could have been improved upon in this movie?
0: <laughs> the lack of freeze frame at the end of the
3: movie. Oh, um, God, yeah. So, what does that mean, so James? Resonant film major, James. Yeah,
0: sorry. Um, that's just a corny thing to do. Like, this movie was made in what, 2021? 2022. 2022. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, freeze frames are, you know, so 90s or 80s. Sorry, Casey. Uh, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Although there's a Harry
1: Potter movie that freezes frames at the end that makes right. me. And I don't know. It's
0: die. like, here's my theory about it. So. So there are two technical requirements to get an Oscar. One, you have to have a premiere in LA, and two, your movie has to be at least an hour and a half long. And this movie barely hits the hour and a half mark. Yeah. <laughs> and there are a lot of scenes in that movie where I was like, oh, you could have probably cut somewhere in there. This scene feels like it's been drawn out a little bit. And then at the end, I figured it out when um, after she basically defends herself, kills everybody, kind of goes through like a, a flying motion through her apartment that's empty and clean. Down through the window, down to the food truck, and him, or her, and her significant other, or the romantic character in that movie, whatever you want to call him. And then a freeze frame of them both looking at each other for a solid like eight seconds. And then, minute 30, credits. Okay, <laughs> I see what you're trying to do,
1: but come yeah, on. <laughs> that freeze frame was masterclass cringe for me. I just really <laughs> could not take it. Uh, for yeah. me, as far as like what could be improved, <laughs> was uh, maybe a continue continuity problem, Uh, one of the first interactions she has with her upstairs neighbor is because the upstairs neighbor is doing construction, loud noise, there's a compressor, and the reason the compressor is being used is to power the nail gun. Uh, The way that she wins in the end is by using that same nail gun remotely remotely. There's no compressor involved. Yeah. So I don't, we, we didn't hear that there was an upgrade to like a battery operated nail gun. Those are certainly not as powerful, I have experience. Um, I do like that she taped the nail gun open so that you could use it because there's a safety feature that prevents that. But uh, definitely the nail gun w- seemed weird to me because all of a sudden she's able to go all over the place and use it. I have a few other, I really loved the The sound and the camera editing that was used or the techniques that were used, the sound editing, when she puts her headphones on, it does Mm -hmm. dead quiet until she starts up her stream or her work. I really liked that experience because it pulls you further into the movie. Um, I also really love the, the camera work and the filters and everything used, not only when she leaves the house and you're thrown into the chaos that would be happening in her mind of just trying to get to the subway or trying to get out the door and to the next destination, you know, always at an angle, always kind of shaky, um, as well as when she's first hearing the audio of this attack that she has to take action on. They choose to show what's going on in her imagination by showing really distorted images of the actual attack happening, the bad guys going after this woman that we don't really know who this woman is, um, even though it was hinted at right in the first scene when the uh, the real bad guy behind the bad guys takes a phone call. Um, I really loved those those elements of it, the like, things that had to be done in post. Mm-hmm.
3: How would you rate the acting and writing aspect of this movie?
0: I mean, Zoe Kravitz is a really good actor, so... Points to her. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I think actually, oh, I wanted to mention this too. So one of the guys that, so she has a lot of interactions with people across the street, across the the alleyway and the people uh, that live in the building across from her. One of which is the romantic uh, beau that we talk about, talked about earlier. The other is the guy that plays Buzz, Kevin McAllister's older brother from Home Alone, mm-hmm. um, who at first you see him and you're like, okay, I don't know where that guy is going to come in later. And then he winds up being a big part of her defeating the bad guys in the end. Uh, a favorite moment of, moment of mine is him being asked what his name was, and he says it's Kevin. Uh, <laughs> but his acting, even though he's been acting for obviously 30 whatever years, could use a little polishing, I think.
0: Yeah, he kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Yeah, I didn't even notice it until you brought it up to me when I came in today. Yeah, I was like, huh? yeah, I guess that, that is that same, character, the same guy, isn't it? Yeah, I'm that
2: a- was going to be my last question, actually, with your thoughts on Kevin, because, uh, like, that was, I feel like, sort of the director pulling you in another direction because yeah. they sort of yeah. set him up at the beginning as like sort of maybe an adversary. Right. Yeah, he's kind of being a creep, you yeah. know. Yeah, like I thought he worked for on the her. company. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that it was kind of a fun twist on
3: him also just being mm-hmm. like, yeah, a misdirection
2: yeah. Ex- exactly. Of like he was also just another agoraphobe and bored mm-hmm. in his apartment, uh, taking it a little too far, but it ended up being a good thing. That's yeah. another
1: thing the the misdirect uh, that wasn't used in the movie is this tooth pain she's got toothaches throughout the movie and she's always like you know oh brushing my teeth this hurts she has a phone conference with the dentist played by david wayne who is a comedic writer and i love that soderbergh sneaks little comedians in throughout the films this being one of them i really thought well is she going to wind up having some sort of implant in her tooth that like comes up later but there's literally nothing done with her tooth pain uh, throughout the movie
0: they they broke the uh (laughs) Chekhov's gun. Yeah, they exactly. They broke the Chekhov's gun rule, where they showed you a gun, they didn't use it. And they did
1: put kombucha <laughs> on the corner of the the table, though, with Chekhov's gun. Yeah, they, okay, yeah, they did, they did. They yeah. at least they used it there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, last thing, actually, same thing as guys asked us. Uh, would you recommend the movie to someone else?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I would think too. so. This is one of those movies where it has like that special twist where the AI isn't exactly the bad guy, right? Kind of like Moon is.
1: Yeah, I definitely would recommend it for. For those reasons, for fans of Soderbergh, for people who struggled with anxiety during COVID, all of those those different things, definitely would recommend this. Okay, so thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of Cinema Obscura. I have been your co-host, Casey Rafter, copy editor for The State Hornet.
0: And I've been James Five, your other co-host, podcast editor.
1: And this has been Chris Werder, digital editor. Thanks for having me, guys.
3: This has been Mercy Sosa, Spanish editor and incoming editor-in-chief. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.